Hey, this is Rabbi Zev Bennett. You are listening to the Daily Halacha, Machshava, and Kabbalah podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in, for joining us. Uh, if you like this content and you want more of this in a much deeper and more explored way, check us, check us out at yesodblocks.com, where you can subscribe and join the growing Yesodblocks family. We also recently put out an album on iTunes and Amazon, where you can listen to it. Um, you can purchase it on either of those locations for only $9.99. It's called Tikkun HaYesod. It's using Torah concepts in their integrated and very complete form as a set of tools to battle with the dark side of the internet. So definitely check that out if you're interested in that kind of stuff. Um, in this episode, we are going to be moving a little bit further in the Shulchan Aruch now towards Simon Bet, Simon Bez, which is the second section of Orachayim uh, in the Shulchan Aruch. And so that section deals a lot with, uh, with the types of clothes that you wear, how you put clothes on, how you clothe yourself in the morning. And um, there's actually, I mean, there's, there's kind of like a meta theme to that sim in that whole section. Um, the one of the actual, uh, fa- more famously known halachos in this section uh, is the one about putting your shoes on and sort of which shoe you put on first. It's actually, uh, I'm not exactly sure why this halacha got so famous, but it's a kind of halacha that people constantly ask me about. And they say, you know, the, the halacha is you're supposed to put on your right shoe first and your left shoe, then tie the right shoe and... So we're going to talk about that actually not in this episode. In the next episode, we first need to lay out some of the um, meta principles that are underlying this, this the whole area of putting on clothes and getting dressed and what the world of halacha has to do with clothing. So we're going to do that in this episode, but uh, just giving it a little preview of where we're going to go because um, that's just such a well-known halacha that I'm very curious to see uh, how people receive that episode when we actually do the shoe situation. So in this episode, the halacha right before that, uh, I think kind of is a good a good jumping off point for um, for talking about exactly what these clothing halachas are about. And so that that's uh, uh, the, in, in again Simon Bays, and this is now halacha Bays, if Bays, um, where it says so. There's a whole set of ways of how you're supposed to get dressed. So let's even go back a little further to Sif Aleph for a second. In Sif Aleph, so it says lo yubash haluko miyushav. You shouldn't put. You shouldn't. Uh, uh, get dressed sitting down. You should try to get dressed basically while you're still under the covers. That's the way the Shulchan Aruch paskins this. In other words, there's this idea that is essentially a thread running through this set of halachos that a person should not walk around naked, exposed, uh, without having some awareness of that. In other words, like the halacha that's described here, you should try to get dressed while you're still covered so you kind of like maintain your coveredness uh, and instead of like uh, you know leaving your your bed, getting out from underneath the covers, and then just taking off all your clothes and being naked and then getting dressed, so there's like this uh, this approach of trying to get dressed while you're covered. Now the next halacha after that builds on that, uh, which says al yomar hineni b'chadre chadarim. A person should not say to himself, "Look, I'm in a private room. No, I'm 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 in my own personal rooms. Miroini, who can even see me here?" Um, so therefore I can just, you know, there's no pro- problem with being naked and, and walking around that way because no one can see me anyway in my private rooms. And the reason why you shouldn't say that is because Hashem's presence fills uh, the entire earth. So here you have this, this, this idea, this is really kind of like the core principle that's at work here, which is like you're, you know, you're, 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 we, we tend to think of ourselves as being alone or in our own rooms. And what this what this halacha is describing is that Hashem's presence fills the earth, so therefore you shouldn't um, get dressed in a way that is too self-exposing. And there's really two aspects to this that I, w- I want to just discuss here briefly. And, and the first one is one that we've already mentioned in an earlier episode in the series, uh, which is that there's this, the, the idea here is an awareness of Hashem's presence. So 
you know, that's something which uh, is often described in like a Musser setting, like, oh, you should just remember that Hashem is here, like Hashem is always seeing everything, Hashem is, is constantly present, uh, and we, we've discussed the issue in that our our particular, our, our, our lens landscape, our world of perceptions, the world of Das, has been tainted by the Eta Das Tovara, so what that does is it kind of leads us to have perceptions that are much more uh, tilted towards our preferences and much less towards objective truth and facts. And so what that means is that we tend to like to see things the way that we want to see them as opposed to seeing things as they are. And in order to see things as they are, you have to do careful analysis and thought and you have to really construct perceptions at will as opposed to when you kind of just let your perceptions happen to you more and they just kind of become a, a product of your experiences and how you choose to, how you almost habitually evaluate your experiences. So your perceptions will then be a function of that, that of those habits, and then you'll just continue to accumulate reinforcement of perceptions of reality that are really a function of your preference. And that's that's how we end up getting into these false perceptions and having very uh, unproductive relationship situations and and all kinds of confusion. And because we basically let our perceptions get built on their own. And so this is a prime example of that because Hashem's presence is something which on on the surface it's very easy to be pulled along by the loudness of that which is right in front of us in terms of the physical world that we live in. And I'll give an example of what I mean by that. Um, in, in contrast, like the way that you can really access uh, Hashem's perception perception of Hashem is by thinking for a second about what, what what you actually see when you see another human being. So another a human being, you can think of them as there's a body, and then there is the presence of that person's self that is manifest through the body. And the difference between that, that person's self and the, the opposite, when the person when that person's self is not there, is the same difference as when a person is alive or dead. If you can just imagine to yourself for a second, what exactly is missing when a person is dead? The answer is the person is missing. The body is there, the casing is there, uh, but the actual person's self is not manifest anymore. It's no, no longer shining through the body. And that phenomenon that we call consciousness, that is the you that is actually shining through the body, so that is what we mean when we say the word neshama, and that is the presence of the person that is now being channeled through the body. Now, in certain situations, you can actually get very fixated on a person's body and actually block out your awareness of their presence, even when they're alive and here. And so that's something which we also do that very easily with Hashem. Uh, and the world itself, the, all, all, the whole universe, everything around us is actually the body of Hashem in this sense. It, is, it essentially is the, the antenna that Hashem's presence shines through. And just like, you, you know, like if, I, if I ask you where is a person's consciousness, there's no location for that. You can't cut open a person's body to find their consciousness. It's not a thing in the, sense that the, in the same way that the body is. You can think of it as almost like it's made out of a different material. It's like on a different plane of existence. It's not something which is really uh, uh, accessible in a physical measurable type of way. It's only, it's, it's very experientially accessible. In other words, you experience another person's self constantly when you talk to somebody else. But to actually measure that and to find it in a, in a physical way and say, oh, here, here is the little bottle of consciousness that's inside of this person's body. It was inside of this bottle all along. We don't have the capacity for that. That's not what consciousness is. Seemingly, it is something which is completely experiential and you have to use the, the, the completely different set of tools to actually encounter uh, somebody else's consciousness, and we do that instinctively when we talk to another person. We we encounter their consciousness, and we we have a we have a tool to do that. It's the, the tool is is part of our Torah map of how the human being is constructed. 
But the point is that you can't actually quantify that consciousness phenomenon, but you experience it dramatically every day. And similarly with the universe, so that is that is the same direction you have to look in to experience that Hashem's presence fills all of existence. Just like, the, as the Gemara says in Maseches Brachos, like we quoted in a previous episode, so just like you fill your entire body, so Hashem fills the entire universe. There's no part of the body of a person that you're talking to that is not them, that is not their self manifesting through the, every part of their body. And we're saying that Hashem also fills all existence in that exact same way. And so wherever, whatever uh, you know, sense you're using to encounter, or to, to, to be aware of this other self that is coming through the body that, of, the, of a person that you're talking to, that is exactly the same sense you have to now turn towards Hashem and recognize that there is this uh, humming background presence of the of the ultimate someone, not even the someone, it's just the one that is behind all being and manifests through all being. Now, just to go back to a point I made a second ago, which is you have the ability to actually talk to a person and have the body block out your awareness of their consciousness. So I want to just give an example of what I mean by that, so you can see exactly how this also works with Hashem, how we have a hard time seeing Hashem. So when you deal with a person who is naked, so the nakedness of the body activates a set of lenses inside of our perceptual framework that now causes us to perceive the person as a sexually relevant object. What I mean by that is that the se sexual energy is something which is activated by proximity and exposure to a sexual situation. So that means that you know you you tend to look at the world through many we all look at the world through many different lenses. So when you're at work and you and you perceive another person, so you can evaluate them as they're usually we tend to evaluate people at work through the lens of their work uh, role. So let's say you work in a finance firm, so there's an analyst, and the analyst could have a male body or a female body, but you can but you tend to perceive them more in their work role. In the background, you might have a, a very uh, you know a baseline awareness of their of their gender, their their sexual relevance or whatever. But you know your main perception in a workplace is generally a work related perception. But if you were in that same workplace, and then let's say uh, let's th th there's a, a a person who takes off their clothes in the workplace. So now suddenly they are manifesting their body in, a, in an unusual way, in a way that is triggering uh, of sexual energy perceptions. And then you'll suddenly start to perceive them more in light of, of their sexual relevance. Uh, and that, by the way, this is true whether you are a guy and, and the person who's getting undressed is a guy or a girl. In other words, and we're gonna see more halachos about those kinds of things too. But and anybody who is naked automatically triggers sexual awareness in people around them. Because nakedness inherently is is a, is the is the manifestation of a sexually relevant object. Even if it's not, even if it doesn't mean that you are going to now be sexually involved with them. But nudity, as a rule, uh, human beings are 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 essentially evolved. We are designed to experience nudity as an actual uh, creation of, of sexual relevance through the, through the activation of sexual perceptions. So we'll actually suddenly see this person as a sexually relevant object. Uh, even though, um, even though uh, you know, five seconds before that, we might have seen them as an analyst or as whatever other role. This is true about any person. Let's say you have a sibling, and this is this is an awkward thing also to mention, which is that sometimes if you see a sibling of yours without clothes on, it's like this is an awkward feeling because this is your sibling. You shouldn't have any kind of feeling like like a sexual association with them, and you probably won't really have a full one because um, these are these are. Like with siblings, it's just it's usually much more dampened, and it should be much more dampened. But even so, there's a basic sexual awareness whenever a person is not wearing clothing. This is why locker rooms are uncomfortable environments for many people because it's like you're you're just trying to do your thing, and yet somehow the environment is 
filled with this sexual awareness because everybody is just not wearing clothing. So the point of all this is that when a person is is takes off their clothes is naked, so the that that experience of their of their sexual presence can be extremely blinding to the rest of their of who they are. And that's really the issue with um with clothing versus not clothing. What happens is because we have a strong preference for sexual activity, so then whenever we encounter a person who's not wearing clothing, it then pulls our das, it pulls the the uh, again our our perceptual fr framework tends to evolve based on our preference. So if you see a person who's not wearing clothes, you'll start evaluating them sexually, and then you'll have a harder time seeing the totality of who they are. You'll have a harder time accessing the perception that they are actually someone. There's actually a consciousness behind this body, and that will become much more minimized in your perceptual framework. Again, it won't necessarily disappear entirely, but it will definitely become minimized, and the sexual side of it will be very loud, will be much more prominent in your perceptual framework. And this is exactly what the purpose of clothing is, is to basically maintain balance that we don't actually have this kind of distortion in our minds all the time. And so instead of constantly being exposed to sexualizing uh, uh, experiences when we encounter people who are naked, we all wear clothing. And what that clothing does is it allows us to be aware at a basic level of, of each other's gender and sexual potential and sexual relevance, which is necessary if we want to create sexual relationships at some point in our lives, but not to be wearing no clothing such that the sexual component is so loud that we can't access the totality of a person. So we wear clothing to dampen the sexual energy somewhat so it is more uh, palatable, more, you know, and less distorting. And then we can actually access the totality of a person. We can access what their talents are. We can access who they are as a person. We can get to get close to them, get to know them on a, on a consciousness level, on a relationship level. And that is what clothing allows us to do. It, it puts these things into balance so that way our awareness of the sexual uh, component is properly contextualized within the totality of the person that we are dealing with. And that is also true with Hashem. You can also have these very loud physical manifestations in the world around you that blind you to Hashem's presence because the, the presence of a person is and, and the presence of Hashem is far more subtle than the external uh, elements of existence. In the world, you know, it's like if you're outside walking around, so there's just so much to see and so much to encounter that it can be very blinding to Hashem's presence if you don't know how to see past it. And you have to kind of learn to, to experience that which is right in front of you in the real world and also access uh, awareness of Hashem's presence in the real world at the same time. And there's this, uh, many more tools that we ha are given uh, by the Torah to do that more and more and more powerfully. And we also learn how to do that a lot from our interactions with each other. And again, this, this sexual example is the most prominent. Now, the reason why I mentioned the sexual example and the clothing example is because that is actually the meta framework that we're dealing with in this, in, in this section of the Shulchan Aruch. Because what's happening here is we're basically learning about how even when you're in private, in your own room, so you still should not just walk around as if you're not aware that Hashem's presence is, is there, is in your room with you. And the reason for that is because even when you're just by yourself, if you are, if you disrobe, if you take off your clothes when you're alone, so it does heighten your own sexual identification with yourself. In other words, not only do you, do you perceive other people in a sexual lens, which then causes you to uh, hyperfixate uh, in your perceptual landscape 
uh, more intensely on the sexual component, on the body component, you also can have that and do have, we all have that with ourselves to a greater or lesser degree, depending on the situation and, and the, the particular mood that we're in and the way that our body chemistry is currently operating, which means that if you just are just walking around naked, then you are in a small way sexualizing yourself, you're, sexu you're, you're, you're transforming your perception of yourself potentially in a more sexualized way to perceive yourself more through that lens. Uh, and that's that, that. And again, there are times where that's something which makes a lot of sense to do. If you're about to enter a sexual situation, then of course that could make a lot of sense. But on a regular basis to just to constantly expose yourself to, to your own sexualized uh, aspect in a way that is not balanced with um, with all the other elements of your existence, the the deeper side of you and the and the awareness of consciousness and the you know the awareness of Hashem's presence. These are all. Um, you know, part of the totality of reality that we live in. And so when we are exposing ourselves to things that pull our preference and pull our desire and pull our interest in a certain way, which is what sexual energy does very intensely, as do, as do other things, so then it can create distortions in our perceptual uh, landscape, which pull us away from seeing the totality of things. And that's really what all of halacha is about. I mean, the, that's really what we're what we are discussing here. Is that these are these are actions and activities and 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 prescriptions of behaviors that allow us to try to keep the different parts of ourselves in balance. In other words, you're supposed to have a sexual aspect. You're supposed you're supposed to be sexual at different times, and you're supposed to also perceive others in a sexual lens at certain times. But if you it, the problem with with sexual desire is that like all desire is that it's very strong, and therefore it really tints our perceptual landscape without without us realizing sometimes and we can actually form perceptions of reality that are too far uh, extensions of our own preferences you can start to perceive other people uh, too intensively through the sexual lens you can start to perceive yourself that way there can be a very heavy identification with your own sexual desire and in a way that then it you, you even over identify with it to the extent that now you think that you are your sexual desire you say oh this is me this is who i am i am this sexual desire never remembering that actually the bigger picture here is that sexual desire is just a feature of the totality of the set of tools that Hashem essentially connected you to as a, as a neshama consciousness, and that your sexual desire comes and goes and fluctuates, and you know between the age of twenty and fifty, it's a certain amount, and there's all kinds of fluctuations. And then after that, it's basically you know it's all downhill from there. And these are all these are aspects of sexual desire that you know because we get very immersed in the intensity of these types of preferent pre preferred act, uh, activities and sensations, it pulls our perceptions in a way that we don't always see. And so that's really why there's all these about how to get dressed and how to relate to your body and if you if you don't know the underlying mechanics that I just started to at least a little bit describe and lay out so then it just seems very random like oh just put on clothes this way and you know just wear clothes in a certain way like but there's an actual world of perceptual mechanics and perceptual shifting that takes place inside of us and the more you're aware of that the more you're able to actually learn to harness it and to be sexual when you need to but then also to view the world in a much healthier lens and a much less sexualized lens uh, in contexts where you need to, which is actually far more often than, you know, when you, we're, we're in sexual situations much more rarely than we are in every other situation. So uh, to actually be able to have that clarity, to not let the sexual energy and preference pull you to constantly perceive the world uh, through that lens is obviously a, a big asset to be able to, to learn how to do that. So that's essentially where, and we're going to keep building this out as we learn more things about halacha, but but also just in general, the sexual issue and, and its impact on the world of Das Tovara, our, our issue of developing perceptions based on preference, is this, this is a central area, which is actually why, just to mention again, the album that we put out recently, Tikkun Hayasod, is really all about how to fully harness 
and how to fully uh, develop our awareness, our understanding, and our grasp of our own sexual energy so that way we are not a victim of it, but instead we can actually use it powerfully on purpose uh, in ways that are creative and, 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 and fulfilling as opposed to just more as a victim of our own desire. Okay, so that's where we're, we're going to stop there and we'll, we'll, we'll pick up with the shoe halacha, God willing, in the next episode. I hope you enjoyed that. Thanks again for joining us and for listening and check us out at yesodblocks.com.